probably one of the most um, underlooked at uh, issues, especially when it comes to pain. And in fact, if anybody's suffering from pain and movement issues, one of the first things, first go to for me is how someone's breathing. Because if you think about the, you, you may breathe about 15,000 times a day, which, which is quite a lot. And it might be just one small micro load that's contributing to d- decrease pain, sorry, increase pain and, and decrease movement. Yeah, so we'll be uh, finding out more about that and understanding how to breathe better, how to live optimally with our breathing patterns and how the disorders of the breathing can link to lots of different conditions. Also looking at longevity. So there's Sting. I don't know if you're a fan or not, uh, Keith of Sting. I preferred him when he was in the police, actually. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I've kind yeah. of uh, suckered for the old 80s groups, like <laughs> the police and the jam and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to so. be seeing Paul Weller at Glastonbury. Yeah, Paul Weller's, uh, yeah. Paul Weller's uh, a legend, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of Paul, Le- uh, um, of Paul Weller, for sure. But uh, still preferred him when he was in the jam. Yeah, well, he's looking good. Age. He's looking good as well. He's well into his 50s, Paul Weller. Um, they're Sting at 62. And so some might think, well, you know, isn't it all rock and roll and what goes with that lifestyle? They're looking pretty good you look at Mick Jagger 70 years of age lean and mean I saw him a couple of years ago he was here in Abu Dhabi uh they were playing and um you know really full force I didn't feel like I was watching a band that were performing any less than they would have done maybe 30 years before Sure, I think, I think there's a lot of things to consider when we look at that. Possibly one is they're moving all the time, and we know that movement and, and, and generally being mobile and getting up and doing things is very important. Probably they're doing something that's really important, they're doing something they love. And it's really important to get up and go out the door every day when you're doing something you love. If you're not doing that, it tends to be more of a burden, more of a grind. So there's, there's probably aspects to that. And also consider they probably have a considerable amount of downtime and look forward to their downtime when they've done something really energetic like a, like a, a big show. Now, Granted, when rock stars are younger, they probably tend to not go through that, probably tend to abuse their bodies just as much as everybody else They're not going does. straight to bed and getting uh, their nine hours sleep. Exactly. The old sleep-sleep-wake ratio is probably uh, <laughs> disrupted somewhat. But, uh, yeah, I think as you get older, you tend to appreciate what the body needs more, and hence uh, you understand what, it, what you need to, to maintain a, a good functioning body. Yeah. Is there somebody out there that you look at and you admire, whether they're a rock star or somebody in the public eye? could be somebody in your own world, you know, everyday life that you look at and think they look good for their age let us know about them let's take a look at this story here Europe's oldest man Nazir Singh from Sunderland in the UK dies at the age of 111 now this is in the Guardian newspaper I actually took this from your Facebook page Keith body uh, balance body mind um do you know what drew me in even more was the most beautiful picture of this gentleman very very dignified looking gentleman and we've posted the picture up on our websites on our facebook page as well so here's a bit of background on nazar singh he's a great grandfather as i said from sunderland in the northeast of uh, england actually probably close to where sting came from um 111 years of age he's believed to be europe's oldest man died in india on the eve of father's day after traveling over to spend time with his family he'd recently celebrated his birthday sending pictures back to britain that showed him marking the event with a nice little drink to the one side and eating well uh, born on the 8th of june 1904 singh lived through the great depression two world wars and the independence and partition of india he moved to england in 1965 living first in warsaw west midlands where he worked in a foundry and then retiring to the northeast in 1989 living with one of his nine children 34 grandchildren uh, 63 great-grandchildren 
Singh was always surrounded by family, said his grandson. Um, He was an incredible chap from Ashbrook, Sunderland, and he lived a very happy and fulfilling life. Yeah, there's lots of things in there we can look at and think. He lived a balanced life. Primarily one of the things it says he lived, he enjoyed the the outdoors, the great outdoors, being outdoors, moving, whether that's walking, hiking, you know, going swimming. All of those kind of things contribute to to well-being. We also look at his food as well. The the things that are actually marked down on there, you know, lots of fruit, lots of dairy, um, some almond oil he's been taking as well. Uh, And the odd tipple here and there. And I I think we've discussed this many times before is that, that the people these days who are tending trying to be too healthy are missing a trick. It's about having balance. And a lot of the people that I tend to see with energy and digestion-based problems tend to have an imbalance of trying to be too healthy, eating foods that don't digest that well, not giving them enough energy. And if you if you give enough um, energy to the cell, you're, you're putting the body in, in, in a pretty good place. Now, we have to understand the context of having too much and having too little and getting it right. Um, we know that in some occasions that calorific constriction can be... Uh, recommended for a period of time but then going on for long periods of time that's going to be detrimental because the body may feel it's under a threat and that's what you see with a lot of people they're trying to restrict the amount of calories they're getting in restricting the amount of carbohydrates they're getting in and this just goes to show with a with a balanced lifestyle you can live to 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 be a centurion which is which is great Uh, genetics genes you know it's got a a lot to do with it it doesn't say here whether he smoked or not um i don't know how life was when it comes to stress but he said um you know i've led a good life which i think suggests that there wasn't so much stress in his life he felt good about the life that he'd led i think that's very important and i'm not an expert on the psychological ramifications of 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 life but you, you can certainly understand if you have a life that you perceive to be a good life, um, uh, a beneficial life, something where you're giving to others as well. That's quite important. Um, Genes can be a huge player in this, but also remember we have the concept of epigenesis and how genes can, can, can be... I wouldn't say manipulated, but certainly switched on or switched off according to the environmental enrichment that we have. So if you have an environment that supports what our body needs, what our cells needs, then that can be very productive. If we're stuck in 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 perhaps a life that's not as beneficial as that, we're not getting the adequate amount of calories in or we're getting too many in. Or, for example, we're in 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 a stressful environment, then that can actually switch on genes that might cause us to have problems in the future. Interesting, isn't it? Let us know your thoughts on 4001. Uh, For this gentleman, after his 110th birthday, he was quoted in the media as saying, I feel very good and very happy. I still feel fit and strong. I pray to the Lord to take me when he wants to. He puts his longevity down to good family, good food and happiness. And as you were saying, Keith, he talks about, you know, the foods and his activities. And he was saying that he was born on a farm in Punjab where he helped his family grow sugar cane, cotton, corn, wheat and later chili peanuts potatoes and rice he outlived his wife uh, who died 12 years ago as well as his two sisters and four brothers but even into old age he kept his love of the outdoors he only gave up gardening at the age of 107 and he enjoyed drinking milk and almond oil he regularly ate fruit and had a nightly drop of a little tipple of something that he fancied so there you go let us know if you've got somebody that you think looks great for their age let us know about them whether it's somebody in the public eye famous or it's somebody you know or whether you 
think you look pretty good for your age. Uh, we're looking at uh, the gentleman that's just passed away this week at the age of 111, and he was sharing his, before he died, he was talking on his 110th birthday about feeling good, feeling strong. He was still gardening up until the age of 107. Uh, his love of the outdoors, his balance, and check him out because, you know, celebrate his life because he looks such a regal dignified gentleman it's such a beautiful picture of him uh, we've posted it up on our blog post and it's on the facebook page as well and uh we were listening to a little bit of sting earlier at the opening of the show and uh, just looking here keith and it's i'd be interested to get your thoughts on this because i know you like to turn things around a little bit and what we perceive to be healthy and good for us now sting he's 62 and he's well known for leading a very holistic life he loves to meditate um he's very much into his organic foods but he eats uh, macrobiotic diets are consisting of lots of grains combined with vegetables avoiding processed foods and anything that contains preservatives as well as reducing the consumption of meat dairy and sugar your thoughts on that well i think context is everything um and what works for one person doesn't always work for another my thing that I often talk about is just because it's green and brown doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you. We know that certain foods like that contain a lot of anti-nutrients for, that stop us up, up taking certain nutrients. Um, if, if something is working for someone, I, I can't really argue to say, I don't think that works because I don't believe that method works, but it's obviously working for someone. So there'll be no point in going and saying, I don't believe in that. I think there are certain things that we tend to see with a lot of people um, who maybe don't eat organic food or, or maybe who are exposed to a lot more pesticides, a lot more foods that have processing and are more industrialized, have, have a longer shelf life, for example. These contain hydrogenated and, and kind of a lot of vegetable oils that tend to have gone rancid and caused a lot of problems. And the same with grains, for example. Certain grains do cause more problems to people and can certainly disrupt digestion so you have to really ask is is your plan working for you and sting's probably got a very good regimented lifestyle is also a multi-multi-millionaire that can <laughs> also employ a lot of people to give him other, a lot of good advice probably has a lot of downtime the fact that he's meditating exercising and eating pretty good food they're three and probably sleeping pretty well and i think you practice certain other other things as well that probably keep him in in good shape so you know it seems like it's working for him who can i who can argue with that keeping in good shape he looks you know i haven't i've not seen sting have i seen sting perform actually i have yeah years ago i did yeah here actually at the tennis stadium he's a petite looking guy um, mick jagger 70 years of age rolling stones i saw him a couple of years ago at glastonbury he's also a petite guy he's a small framed guy he's lean there's no fat on him and he was moving around that stage that pyramid stage like it were like he was 20 um so how much does that play a part in your the way you are built in do you think in your long-term health plan well i think moving is like we've discussed before is is key if you you have one end of the continuum which is you can exercise so much you can push yourself in fatigue and break down certain tissues then you have the other end the couch potato that doesn't do much at all so the people that are able to move and uh, move and groove as i like to say are the people who are going to probably flourish a little bit more we know that the body can is is very robust and it can take quite a lot of abuse but when we don't exercise we can start to see certain diseases of dysfunction that, that creep in um, and that could be down to a combination of excess foods certain chemicals in the environment as well as a lack of movement as well so even if we just eat relatively good food we have a little bit of bad food every now and then it's not going to be a problem but the key thing is is to move and keep moving regularly throughout your life
Uh, one of our listeners is just asking about the gentleman, Nazar Singh, and he was born in the Punjab and asking which city. Actually, he was born on a farm in the Punjab, so it doesn't say exactly where, where or which, how close he was to which city. Um, but it is interesting about the Punjab because when I was in India, I wasn't in the Punjab, but I was in Rajasthan and t- working with organic farmers and following their story. Um, they were telling me actually about the problems the Punjab have had with high levels of cancer because of the pesticides that have been used on the farms in the Punjab and they even have something called the cancer train yeah I've seen that yeah. I've seen that and that that's um that for anybody who tends to think that pesticides aren't bad for us or who can tend to negate the effects of that this is one environmental issue that we can see and unfortunately is rife and and, and again unfortunately in, in more developing countries we tend to have a a, a non-regulation of of these kind of compounds that cause issues. I mean, you only have to look back at, say, something like the Vietnamese War, where Agent Orange, which was a defoliant, was used, you know, without um, guard at all. And we see it's still a lot of problems going on now. Now, with pesticides, we're not seeing as high a level as that, but we're still seeing a certain load that's going to have deleterious effects to the body. Now, cancer's been around for millions and millions of years, probably as long, ar- long around as humans have been. And we see it in plants and we see it in animals as well. Um, but when we're exposed to compounds that in- proliferate and increase the amount of cell division that we're exposed to, then we can still see cancers on the rise. And this is why you see cancers from a- an epidemiological perspective. You know, the areas of where pesticides have been used uh, a lot this is where the problems are occurring and, and we're seeing this wholeheartedly in this area mm, your thoughts on that let us know on 4001 i have to say when there's something called the cancer train that literally tr- travels through villages picking up patients to take them to the hospital it's really rather uh, alarming and uh, yeah so again just being aware of where your food's coming from also supporting and helping raise awareness on living a better life and being aware of the environment and and, and the pollutants in the environment or indeed what we don't realize are pollutants in our food yeah and it's not just what we think about food but there's certainly still there's a lot of water that's polluted even the air that we breathe we have a certain amount of uh well certain things like benzene in the air and you can certainly see that in 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 people's urine if you were to analyze urine for example you see high amounts of benzene particularly when you're in environments where the atmosphere is very close it's difficult for for the uh for the fumes and that to be dispersed as well as they could be so that's always something to think about an individual uh metabolic rate individual um, reactants and how people's immune system function is is literally that it's very subjective so some person might be certainly robust against a certain amount of uh, chemicals or pollutants and some some other people will start to show symptoms of disease that might come around from that as well so it's very hard to say um, what is unless you actually go in and specifically analyze what's causing the problem for each individual person sometimes Teresa says I'm so proud of my dad he still does everything himself he travels he does DIY and much much more he's a world war ii veteran he's 94 he looks amazing no one believes his age yeah one thing that reminds me of is the um the world war one veteran who died last year harry patch yeah who was an amazing guy and you can look at um his he ha- i've been trying to actually research some of his food i haven't come up against it yet but they the soldiers went through very hard times they were deprived of food and they were under inordinate amounts of stress. And I think there's a certain amount... And Harry Patch was World War One, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But so, I mean, still, yeah. this guy's only, what, 15 years behind that, so yeah, he's still yeah. doing really, really well. But there was a difference between World War One and World War Two in the sense of what the, the, the troops went through. It's still hard. 
but uh, I would yeah. say there's probably war is war. I don't think there are no, any, any, any easy wars at all. And I think the amount of stress that young guys went through at the ages of probably 17 up to what 45, 50 year olds sometimes yeah. was a lot. Now, when you're younger, you can actually deal with stress a lot better. The older you are, that you tend to have a harder time with that because you've been through a certain amount of stress already. Now, when we've been through a certain amount of stress, it might upregulate our body to become certainly a lot more robust. If we were being exposed to that amount of stress over a period of times, so we might see breakdown. But something like World War One for Harry Patchwood may have had a, a huge boost to his system and mm. made him more robust. So throughout his, his, his lifetime, he would have had a certain amount of recovery from that. Mm. Plus he moved. I saw he did regular exercise every day. Again, he liked a, a regular drink every now and then. He had a certain amount of foods that he liked to, to eat as well. And, um, there and was again, from a time in, in the UK where people were growing their own vegetables and there wasn't so much processed food around. It does make me think, I'm sorry to bring it up again. We were talking about it on the pet show yesterday, yesterday the Animal House, but the cat that's turned up in Northern Ireland who's 25 years of age, Aussie, yeah. who they can trace him back to Australia because um, he's microchipped and so he and then they've got a trace on him in London in 2004 where he came in as a stray to a clinic and now he's turned up in Ireland again as a stray but it made me think you know he's 25 maybe the fact he's been living on the street and he's had a bit of hardship I mean I'm not advocating this of <laughs> no. course but it is interesting because you think you know he's having a tough life but he's lived a long life and maybe he likes wandering so maybe it's something that's been good for that cat i don't know yeah i remember seeing that it reminded me of a, a facebook video i saw yesterday where a cat had crept onto a glider and the glider had taken off and you see this cat like two thousand feet up in the air scurrying across the wing to safety to near, near the cockpit and hopefully it was safe in the end yeah, it yes landed. it landed, <laughs> it landed in the he end, was safe but, but it's quite amusing i think animals are probably more robust because they're able to look after themselves a lot better right uh, i remember seeing a, a, a a quote yesterday from a well-known philosopher who wrote The Black Swan, Nic Nicholas Nassim Taleb. He said, man has become more powerful uh, with technology, but we become weaker when it goes wrong. So, and, and, and that's kind of almost like how we, we, we tend to look after ourselves. More people have people who cook for them on a regular basis, who do all the washing. Bet, could you ask them to go out and maybe make a fire if the, everything had gone wrong? Probably not. not. And it's being able to, to look after yourself that, that encompasses being robust just as much as how we build our body to become more robust as well. One here from Robert, which is a great one he's saying i really do believe keeping active is so important and age is of little relevance i'm 60 next year and cycle with guys 20 years younger than me and i usually give them a run for their money during the sprint at the end of the ride cycling is a great social sport gentle on the joints but great for cardio and fitness typically i cycle 200 kilometers per week and last year did the coast to coast 210 kilometers i'm not special there are loads of guys like me and we need to make people realize that you know if you're 40 or 50 in the 40s or 50s that there's no reason you shouldn't be exercising and enjoying it yeah and you can do literally whatever you want whether walking's your thing whether gardening's your thing whether whether training weights and lifting heavy loads above your head is your thing there are all things that you can do whether it's just kind of you know going out walking your dog i think walking for example is one of the most underrated activities from a cathartic stress release point of view and if you're if you're if you're walking somewhere rather than running and and trying to blow your guts out trying to be pb your last mile or whatever it is you're actually seeing what's around you and taking in and appreciating your environment and 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 discovering what's around you is just as effective as as trying to to push yourself 
yourself. Fitness is fitness, but fitness doesn't always equate to health. But having the balance there is certainly much more beneficial than just trying to push yourself all the time. But Robert alludes to also having a good social network and that with, within the group as well. And I think that's very, very important as well. Um, so uh, let, let's not talk about fitness, fitness, fitness. Let's talk about the other contexts involved with fitness that, that bring around what... what um, what made this guy live to 111 it was the food it was his family it was having a sense of purpose feeling happy gardening walking being in the outdoors you know you don't have to push yourself but at the same time if you want to push yourself and compete with others that's your thing go do it I think the good point that uh, Robert's making is don't let age put you off doing exercise uh, you know people in their 40s might have been you know doing a lot of exercise when they were in their 20s got out of it and now think oh it's just too difficult but you can you know you, you can do it at any age as long as you do it correctly yeah and if you look at the guy who, who was uh, he stopped gardening at the age of 106 and if you look at um, the expenditure of energy in gardening it's right up there with a lot of most hard hard working exercises yeah yeah the, the calorific expenditure but bearing in mind your stressing mobility and strength because you're putting yourself in awkward positions all true the time. Yeah, and bending yeah, and, 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 and just as beneficial as anything. A lot of anything, squats, really. A lot of squats. Yeah. And remember, squats, squat mechanics is, does have a certain amount of influence on lower back pain. Uh, but that's another subject about uh, potty position as well. You know, So there's yeah. all those things to consider as well. Okay, well, I want to come back on that, actually, okay. because it is something that people, when they're, people are exercising regularly, their squats is a big part of that regime, so doing it correctly. Um, but just coming back on the cycling, uh, Sally, our producer, just handed me here, really interesting, along with the lines of what you're talking about, Robert, in that the secret to staying young, according to this article out of the UK, is get on your bike. Tests find cyclists in their 70s are physically much younger than most people their age. Now, this study of cyclists found they were physically younger. They underwent went extensive tests of their heart, lungs and exercise capacity. The research found they had muscle strength similar to younger people. They say it proves cycling keeps the body and the mind staying young. Um, so it ages here 50, 55 to 79 found many were physically much younger than most people uh, their age. Um, so, you know, there's research being done into cycling and the benefits of cycling, but particularly it's not uh, age bias which is a good one sure and but the, the, the interesting thing about this is that are they comparing this against people who don't exercise or or modes of other exercise because i'm sure if you prefer if you uh, analyze this in comparison to say somebody who went to the gym or somebody who went to walking on, on on trekking and long walks you know throughout the days and weekends those people will probably show just as much markers as the say the cyclists it's a good point actually well that, just to let you know this is coming out of the uk scientists at king's college london uh but you're right I mean, I've shared this story. It was a few years ago now, but when I was uh, hiking, walking in, I can't really say, well, it was a hike. It wasn't a trek. It was a hike in the UK. And I set out to do a whole long day hiking a coastal path in the northeast of England and came across these ramblers, hikers, if you will. Well, the youngest person there was about 58 and the eldest one was 85. And I tell you what, they gave me a walk for my money. They were really fit. They were like little mountain goats they were and they they, they they meet every week they go around the country they hike in their hometown in Huddersfield but they also travelled around the UK hiking so again they got that social connection but they were doing a physical activity and it was just they were awesome so they really inspired me yeah, and walking uphill is, is great for the body. It stresses the joints, it stresses the muscles, it stresses stresses the lungs and the cardiovascular system. And I think doing a certain amount of... I mean, if you look at the st- some of the studies that 
or this study in particular, it has compared most of the cycling against people who are sedentary. And we know that people who are sedentary are going to show much more negative markers than people who do exercise on a regular basis. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Social um, kind of uh, contact, uh, catching up with like-minded people, pushing the body a little bit. But it's probably one of those things, they're not pushing themselves really, really hard. They're probably just taking around, it's talking, it's going out in nature, seeing all the things around you, nice fresh air, sometimes sea air, which we know can be actually more beneficial for us because there's a lot of salt and salt tends to lower the the stress response so there's there's a a number of point isn't it here we are we're right by the sea yeah let's get down to the beach and uh, get walking on that path yeah i mean if you go down if you're having a a tough week just go down and sit on the beach for half an hour at the end of the week it'll certainly lead you into a nice relaxing weekend Mm. but i guess unless you go where the smokers are there seem to be a lot of smokers who leave a lot of cigarette butts everywhere on the beach pick up your fag butts people oh yes we don't want that uh okay so tell me about squats then keith how well, to do it correctly, well, what not, to be aware of. I'm not so concerned uh, about the squatting correctly, which is very important anyway. And there are a number of tests that we can do to assess overhead squats. But if we, we, leak, if we link in two common factors, how to breathe properly and proper positioning for going to the toilet, they often tie in quite well. So one of the things I tend to see a lot is breathing pattern dysfunction. Now, it's a really easy way to test if you have a, a inverted breathing pattern. You put a hand on your chest and a hand on your tummy. Okay, I'm doing that now. Okay, take a breath in. And where do you breathe mainly from? Your chest or your tummy? Actually, the t- I think the middle of my tummy. I think you're actually seeing, I'm seeing more of your chest you? and neck elevate than you think, <laughs> Suzanne. And when we tend to do the tests ourselves, we tend to be less critical than somebody who observes <laughs> the, the person who's actually being assessed. Now, when you tend to breathe dysfunctionally or let's say an inverted manner instead of the diaphragm which is a primary muscle of uh, stabilization and inspiration as well we tend to start to use the pecs the chest muscles the neck muscles uh, and there are a lot of changes that are associated with breathing incorrectly there can be changes to blood chemistry so we can actually pass out more carbon dioxide that can increase anxiety levels that can uh, also contribute to many other things but we can also see start to see mechanical changes related to the tongue to the neck and then we start to see issues that perhaps can be linked with back pain and, and other mechanical issues as well so breathing correctly as i said is one of the most important assessments that I do before I even look at movement. How does someone breathe when they're seated? How does someone breathe when they're standing and laying down and compare compare those positions? Now some people think it's really great to draw your belly button in and walk around all your time because it makes you more structurally sound. But here's another test that you can do. Draw your belly button in and then try taking a breath in. Where do you breathe from then? You tend to breathe from your chest, yeah. from your neck. Yeah. So if you're walking around all the time, drawing your belly button in all the time, you're actually making the body weaker, i.e. it's less stable because you start to use breathing muscles that are accessory muscles, which should be used in times of stress or times of exercise, for example. So let the belly hang out when you're walking around. To potentially brace the belly when you go to do something stressful or lift something but those muscles should fire subconsciously anyway if you're walking around drawing the belly button in all the time one thing you're going to start to see over a period of time not so much straight away neck tension lower back problems uh, you may even see your mouth start to open up a little bit more as you develop a forward head posture this can also come from from sitting at a desk or doing too many abdominal exercises context is everything well, Rachel's uh, texting to say, I keep waking up gasping for air. It's as if I've forgotten to breathe. Uh, do you know what could be causing this and what I can do about it? It's been actually happening for over 50, uh, 15, 15 years. 
Um, are you familiar with that, Keith? Well, there can be a couple of things associated with that. I can't actually see that text at the moment. But um, you, we can have hypercapnia, so low levels of carbon dioxide. Now, we often think of carbon dioxide being a waste product, but it's actually a really protective, some might even call it a nutrient. When we have low levels of carbon dioxide in our body, which can come from hyperventilation, then oxygen isn't able to be released from haemoglobin effectively. So that gasp for air might actually be um, trying to get more oxygen in. But mm. that might actually come from breathing too much ox- uh, carbon dioxide out. Now, people who tend to breathe 17, 18 breaths plus a minute can kind of be bracketed as hyperventilators to a degree. Um, so sometimes doing something like bag breathing or sorting out the, um, the way that someone's breathing, it can be useful. Um, it also can be as well, if you're on a low-carbohydrate diet, then you tend to produce less carbon dioxide anyway because carbo- carbohydrate produces more carbon dioxide. So those on high-fat diets and high-protein diets don't tend to have as much carbon dioxide available. This particular problem, I think, is just waking up gasping for air. Sleep apnea? It could be sleep apnea. That can be related specifically to breathing pattern dysfunction. Um, And we can see lots of things related to breathing pattern dysfunction. So I would get someone who can check that out. can also be related to hormonal imbalances, related to thyroid function as well sometimes. Um, So that it's when we talk about one particular issue there can be usually half a dozen other things going on that need to be assessed before anybody makes a clear decision on what's actually going on but it's good to know that you need to consider such things and keith and my producer sally have just realized that they practically live next door to each other yes dubai it is still a village how fantastic there you go um looking at messages one here from daniel my grandmother aka abuela from uruguay is 94 and still in great shape she recently flew from uruguay to south africa which took 21 hours including layovers for a family holiday she still helps with the cleaning and cooking and also enjoys a daily glass of uh, something nice fermented her sister is 91 years of age and still going strong real legends they are they're legends and i love the fact the sisters are close to each other and of a similar age and you know all that shared history how fabulous is that yeah i think i would live to 100 if i lived in south america i love that place (laughs) i went on a honeymoon two years ago so we went to argentina peru bolivia brazil uh, yeah, I think it was it. And it was just amazing. Uh, we didn't go to Uruguay, unfortunately, but th- there's a nice ethic in, you know, they have great food. There's a great outdoors lifestyle. And, you the know, air is, um, I mean, I was in Peru. The yeah. air is clean. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, you can, I think we do see, tend to see in, the, in these cultures where there, there's a lot more countryside as well, that we tend to create more robust people, people who move, people who eat a lot, a lot of food that's, that's untouched by processing. Um, that's not to say that, that let's, let's try and get people out of thinking that having a little bit of the stuff that you want that maybe isn't as good for us, don't feel that you have to cut everything out. You know, get a balance. You know, most people who, who tend to eat well, you can let go every now and then. It's not, not much of a problem. Um, but I think the, these people kind of know what works for them and it's usually a nice kind of a strong family ethic good food bit of exercise outdoors and it's actually probably not exercise I mean, a lot of, we're kind of obsessed with going to the gym and having exercise but exercise is is is, is movement that stresses our body and the great outdoors tends to do that for us quite well mm. uh, jack says uh, what do you think about uh, gluta- glutathione glutathione thank you Glutathione is a, is a powerful antioxidant. In fact, it's actually one of the body's most powerful antioxidants that's available. He said, um, from a supplementation perspective, from what I've read, I think it's a, a waste of time taking glutathione. And from the re- research that I've actually read, is if you take a specific glutathione supplement, you decrease the body's ability to, t- to actually 
produced adequate levels of it. Now, I've always uh, waxed lyrical about um, gelatin, stock, and mm. broth. Now, broth contains glycine, which is actually the precursor to glutathione. So if you're keeping, if you want to eat a large amount of muscle meats, perhaps you're concerned with muscle development or something, it's really important to get the whole animal in, not just the, the, the muscle meats, which tend to contain high levels of tryptophan. Uh, tryptophan, when we eat all of the, just the muscle meats, it tends to have a reasonably pro-inflammatory effect, particularly on the bowel. So eating the whole animal, glycine, um, uh, stock, and other anti-inflammatory or other kind of quietening amino acids like um, glycine, arginine, proline can have a much better effect on you. So sometimes when supplementation is needed, I, I, I could say, yes, it's needed, but we can get a lot of the, the, the uh, nutrients that we need from specific foods. And I think if you're going for glutathione, from what I've read from the research, that go, go getting stock and broth in, you'll be doing your body much, much more justice rather than trying to take a supplement, which might actually decrease the body's ability to produce it. He also goes on to say that he believes that you shouldn't work for a nasty boss who puts unnecessary pressure on colleagues. There's that stress coming into your life again and the pressure and, you know, and it's difficult, isn't it? People need to, you know, earn money, work. Uh, but when it comes to and with stress, how do you manage stress, Keith? I mean, exercise, are there certain foods, are there certain things that you could actually put prescribe almost for somebody to do with their body type or lifestyle well there's certain, certainly lots of key nutrients that i would deem as anti-stress nutrients you know, we may get some um some text messages here but sugar is actually a really powerful anti-stress nutrient if your body's stressed and you're in a low blood sugar state you are producing high amounts of cortisol, which is a powerful anti-inflammatory hormone, but a potent stress hormone as well. Now, if you give your body something readily available from an energy source, you will instantly decrease the amount of cortisol that's being produced because the body will feel it's in a much better place. Salt is a, is a powerful anti-stress nutrient. Uh, vitamin D is a powerful anti-stress nutrient. Magnesium? Magnesium is great. I mean, magnesium, I would tend to say that if you're getting good food products in like dairy and things like that, and you're, and you're adequately uh, getting enough salt in your diet. Salt spares the amount of magnesium that's being produced, uh, being depleted, sorry. So if you adequately have enough salt in, the, your need to uptake more magnesium is, is reduced. Now, people who tend to exercise and experience stress tend to go through salt and hence more magnesium, while t people tend to feel much better when they take magnesium. So yes, magnesium does do its job, but salt adequately does that job as well and does it matter what kind of salt no not really right i mean even if you go for your fancy i mean i'm i'm a sucker for going for the handcrafted salt that's me too been, that's i've been got hawaiian salt at the moment yeah but if you look i've at got salt from australia from the bed of the rivers yeah, i've got exactly. i've got salt from all over the i love it it's 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 <laughs> let's go for the most artisanal salt available <laughs> but at the end of the day sodium chloride is sodium chloride <laughs> and most of the sea salts tend to contain a lot of the more heavy metal pollutants that you tend to find so um, I, I, I used to go, yeah, go go for as healthy, organic as possible. But sometimes th there's a specific nutrient that does a specific job. And I think with salt, just make sure if you're if you're exercising a lot and you're under a lot of stress, actually more salt in the diet. And the research out there is very uh, it's it's not conclusive on salt. And actually, there's been quite a, a number of health markers that have been uh, uh made negative by going on a really low sodium do diet mm. and always go and see your doctor about this and get their opinion but 
even if you're decreasing salt because you have high blood pressure, the research on that is not particularly conclusive. Mm. And at this time of year, with the, you know, we're sweating a lot, we're releasing a lot, and we might need to sort of you know, replace some salts in there, get some salt into our body. Yeah, I mean, you know, to salt your food, especially if you're exercising heavily or under a lot of stress or an environment where you're, you're having to drink a lot of water. Because most people who tend to drink the three, four litres of water a day, you're passing out a lot of salt in, in, in your urine anyway. So it's really good to, to add a little bit of extra salt. So from one S to the other S and Mm. sugar, Jamie Oliver's come out in the last week, you know, campaigning in the UK, another campaign. This time it's about sugar and really kind of... uh, not just reaching out but you know highlighting the importance of understanding where your sugar's coming from fast foods high fat diets high sugar diets and that it can harm your health quite considerably yeah but i mean jamie oliver i've got a lot of respect for him he's doing a really good job but you have to look at uh, particular issues and having a little bit of sugar in your diet is not a problem having too much in your diet is a problem it's the same as having too much fat too much protein too much oxygen too much water you have to look at where it, where it's coming from if you're eating food all the time that's processed it's not the sugar that's the demon it can be a lot of vegetable oils within that food that have been hydrogenated to keep it the shelf life a lot longer so i i don't think sugars sugar is the demon just as much as saturated fat was before we we started to realize that actually it's the unsaturated fatty acids that tend to cause a problem it's the trans fats it's the hydrogenated fats and there's very you know we can see that actually having a certain amount of saturated fat in the diet is quite protective to us so if you're getting too much of something it will cause problems if you're coming from a background where you tend to eat junk food all the time yes that will cause you problems and when we Uh, say junk food fast food fast food stuff that's produced with a lot of vegetable oils stuff that's left around for long periods of time stuff that's easy uh, stuff that contains a lot of compounds pesticides perhaps genetically modified foods that that might be causing problems when you're exposed to them on a daily basis